Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Judgment Podcast. The episode notes for this incredibly entertaining and informative episode that you are about to consume are available at goodjudgepod.com. That's goodjudgepod.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm still Tane Kell. Tane, you know, sometimes we record episodes based upon a statute or a case. Okay, I agree. Are we doing that today? Well, no. Um, today, we're going to discuss a topic that judges and lawyers who try cases before a jury struggle with from time to time, and I'll put myself among that number. Yeah, but this particular topic is not going to be found in any statute. That is for sure. That's right. Today, we are going to discuss the continuing witness rule. Oh, yeah. It's a rule formed out of case law over years and years and decades. Yeah, I, I'm excited to report that the continuing witness rule applies to both criminal and civil cases because, man, I miss trying civil cases. I know you do. Um, <laughs> we have developed a chart, and you know you know how much y'all love my chart. You do love a good I chart. Yeah, like I agree. We have incorporated that into our episode notes. You yeah. know, we, we put it in our trial outlines that we give to new judges, but we're going to actually put it in the episode notes. Man, we're getting we, uptown. And tell everybody... We're, they can find those episode notes at goodjudgepod.com, right? That's right. And if you have topic ideas, which people frequently do, please send those to us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Now, with all of that being said, let's talk about the continuing witness rule. So, Tane, before we get in the weeds on the continuing witness rule. And there are some weeds out there. And, and, and what goes out with the jury and what doesn't, we, we probably need to spend a moment discussing exactly what the rule is. And what the evil it was designed to protect against. That's a great idea. So jurors are told, Tane, that they are to consider all the evidence presented. Don't jump to conclusions. You know, all those things that we tell them in the preliminary charges. Absolutely. So witness testimony, right? Yes, definitely. Exhibits. Sure. Any other evidence that might be admitted, I guess. I don't know what else the other would be, but any other evidence that's admitted. Yeah, right? maybe stipulations of the parties, anything like that. And we tell them specifically in a jury charge, a very formal thing. Yeah. Where we used to close the doors and lock them. I know. That was great. Back in the old days. We specifically tell them they are not to jump to conclusions until they've heard all the evidence. Okay. So. Sure. That means they don't consider just the surveillance video team that, that allows them like a, like a football official trying to decide if he had two feet in right. bounds or <laughs> running it back and head. forth, back and forth. That you're supposed to consider the witness testimony around it and all the other stuff that goes in the case. Sure. So back in the jury room, Tane, the jurors are not going to be able to replay that. We're not going to give them the remote and let them fast forward in reverse and fast forward back and, and to the left. Back and to the left. And then frame by frame, go through <laughs> yeah, the surveillance. The video. magic bullet theory. Sure. But we don't want them to do that because we want them to consider the nonverbal stuff too. Sure. Whether the, the witness acted funny on cross-examination or hesitated or whatever, we don't want them to forget all that to the exclusion of like the surveillance video. Yeah, we don't want them to focus on one thing more than other things in the case necessarily. So now that's the witness stuff. So then we tell them we turn to the exhibits, the mm -hmm. photographs, the documents, all that stuff. They get it, the, 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 the tangible things that get a, an exhibit sticker, I mm -hmm. guess. As a general rule, exhibits that are admitted during trial go out with a jury, right? Yeah, right. I mean, they get to go play with them and all that. Yeah. The things with stickers on them, right? Right. Jurors can do anything they want with the evidence that goes out to the jury room, whether they place 
undue emphasis on one piece over another. That's that's part of their purview. Yeah, right. And that's not something that that we tell people how much they should consider exhibit one versus exhibit seven. Right. If they get to hold the bloody samurai sword and that somehow Im- impacts them, that's fine. But Kane, well, let's take a moment and let's let's go on that on to the aside here because I know you're shocked that we're going to have an aside at the Good Judgment Podcast. I was hoping we'd have a good aside at some point. To our judge listeners, if you have a firearm. And you have ammo that fits that firearm. <laughs> How about not sending them both out to the jury at the same time? I mean, have you not seen the movie 12 Angry Men? Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and here's another thought. I mean, I, of course, we put a little zip tie through the barrel of the gun and all that. So it supposedly can't be operated, but zip ties can be removed. And 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 just again, as a cautionary tale, don't send a big bag of Coke <laughs> out to the jury room. I mean, because I, I mean, people being people like they might want to touch it, feel it, smell it, <laughs> you and, know, and then, and then, and then it's suddenly a whole different experience. Well, and then suddenly it, it doesn't weigh what it weighed when it was on the witness stand. And so, that's a whole thing. Anyway, I'm sorry. So I'm just talking about during trials, bad experience. I would tell the bailiffs, look, let them see that, yeah. but then get it back. Yeah. When they when they're done touching it and looking at it or whatever they want to do, get it back from them yeah don't leave the knife back there don't leave the gun back there yeah or let them have the gun then let them have the ammo i mean you know <laughs> right. all right back to the continuous just, just a short cautionary tale yeah <laughs> back, right, let's go back to the continuing witness let's do so we said that most of the exhibits go out with the jury yeah and and how do we know because they have a sticker on them and like beyonce told us if you liked it then you should have put a sticker on it right so there's an important exception to that rule that most exhibits go out, Tane, that we call the continuing witness rule. So if an, is, if an, uh, an exhibit that has been admitted is going to, quote, continue to testify, end quote, in the jury room, that exhibit does not go out with the jury. It's admitted. It just has nothing to do with admissibility. Sure. It's a piece of evidence in the case. The idea is that all the evidence should be considered. No single piece of the evidence should predominate the deliberations. But if that exhibit can continue to testify, and I'm not going to keep putting air quotes around it, but if it continues to testify in the jury room, it overemphasizes that exhibit over all other testimony, et cetera, that was heard only once in the courtroom. Understand, and this is important because I have actually, Tane, you're not going to believe this, but I've actually seen this argued on appeal that the continuing witness rule should have prevented something from being admitted. Mm, that's that's not where that goes, right? <laughs> that's not where that goes. Yeah, I mean it, it. It it may seem obvious, but but there's there's a whole different thing from what's admissible at trial with all the evidence rules that go along with that, and something that just simply doesn't go back in the jury room. It's one of those things that that of all the stupid stuff we stay here we say here on the podcast, it's not awesome. Right? You should not do that ever. Right? I mean, I don't know how else to say. It has nothing to do with admissibility. Yes, right. And and let's think about why it is that way. I mean, again, to just to go back to where we started, the evil that if it is evil, in fact, but the evil that it was intended to 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 put a stop to is 
juries going back in the jury room and giving more emphasis to a piece of evidence that essentially, as you said, continues to testify in the jury room uh, and, and, and gives them the opportunity to emphasize that more. And I'll give you an example of something that happened one time in one of my trials. I changed my preliminary instruction to the jury so that they would understand this. Um, five minutes into uh, deliberations, the jury sent a note out and said, can we have the transcript of the testimony of Mr. Brown? <laughs> Yeah. One of the witnesses in the case. And I was like, yeah, that's not a thing. Like, we don't we don't create transcripts and send those back. Instantaneously. So you can, yeah. Read yeah. them. Yeah. So uh, anyway, they they were very disappointed and they apparently didn't take as good of notes as they would have because they thought they were going to get a transcript. Well, and they and you don't want them to overemphasize it negatively or positively. So right. in other words, you right. can be hypercritical of testimony that you get to parse out by reading essentially a transcript versus versus what you know you're you, it, people say overemphasize and i think they think you that you're going to put too much weight too much positive weight on it you could yeah. put too much negative weight yeah on it. right that's exactly right so the continuing witness rule as we said in the beginning applies to both criminal and civil cases sure so wade when did this all get started like how, how, right. how far does this go back because <laughs> no. i mean it, as long as i can remember we've argued about what it applies to and that sort of thing so how, how far back does it go the oldest reference i can find is a case from 1905 i bet you there's some 1800 ones but i just gave up at 1905 <laughs> yeah you mean jb gave up your your staff attorney gave <laughs> yeah, up at 1905 shout out to JB. yeah shout out. um yeah but uh I, oh, so that's man that's right before i got out of law school so yeah, yeah. 1905. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. I cannot find any statute anywhere which lays out the parameters of the continuing witness rule. There's plenty of cases that attempt to define it, but there are no statute. There is no statutory authority. So, Tane, why don't you tell the folks what the continuing what the case law says the, in the continuing witness rule? And I know this is not awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're going to read some law. Reading law during a podcast is not Awesome. So this is what uh, this is what basically the case law repeatedly says about the continuing witness rule. The continuing witness objection is based on the notion that written testimony is heard by the jury when read from the witness stand, just as oral testimony is heard when given from the witness stand. But it is unfair and places undue emphasis on written testimony for the writing to go out with the jury to be read again during deliberations while oral testimony is received but once. That's essentially what they're talking about. That's exactly. what the evil is, is we don't want it to go back there and have them read it over and over and over as if that witness got to go into the witness, into the jury deliberation room with them. So now we understand that the goal now of the of the rule, we'll call it the rule for the rest of the podcast, is to prevent any exhibit from continuing to testify. Now, we know inanimate objects don't te don't actually testify. So why don't we talk a little bit about what the, the case law is trying to say? Sure. The thing we're trying to prevent is the ability of an exhibit to provide what amounts to testimony, as Wade said, a description of what happened or a recitation of the witness's live testimony. And those are the types of exhibits that don't go out with the continuing witness rule. We'll go through some examples of evidence that does not go out with the jury. And we recognize that some of these will be close calls. And I, I have found it at trial that, you know, there are some times where I'm just like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if that's really a continuing witness problem or not. But um, those exhibits that have what we refer to as a testimonial quality to them, those are the kind of things that we're talking about. And do you, so do you frequently go around talking about the testimonial quality of the evidence? 
I, I do. Yes, absolutely, Wade. You're such a liar. <laughs> and as we, the reason I usually use words like, well, you know, it's one of those things, like it's a thing, like it can't go back there because it, it's not supposed to like, you know, we've said this before, the most humbling, I used to think the most humbling <laughs> thing you can do is read yourself on a transcript. Yeah, definitely. And then I recorded a podcast. Exactly. And then you actually heard it live. You go, God, you're an <laughs> yeah. idiot. That's the not co- even a sentence. The cold transcripts look so much better than, yeah, what it sounds like in re- in reality. So, so but that's yeah. why we decided to record this episode. Right. It, it, we want judges and lawyers to think about these issues before trial and not during the stress and sort of hyperactivity that surrounds submitting the case to the jury, Tane. Yeah. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we have some charts that are embedded in the trial outlines that you and I provide to the new Superior Court judges during our training. And those charts contain examples with case citations of exhibits that do and do not go out with the jury under this rule. Because we love our listeners, Tane. We do. We love them. We have copied those charts and you can find them in the episode notes for this episode. You might want to put it in your trial notebook and you can find that on our website, goodjudgepod.com. Shout out to JB. Go JB. Um, For keeping the site updated. We do our best. John JB Bryant. Go man. (laughs) John. Um, I don't think, I think his mom calls him John was in trouble. Of course. Um, We do our best to provide episode notes and we upload them pretty promptly. Sometimes we get a little behind. Sorry about that. I have heard from some of you, you, you've listened to an episode and we haven't had the episode notes up yet. We have them. It's just occasionally we have real jobs and, it kind of gets in the way of my our podcast my, career. Here's my message to those re, to those listeners that I love so much. Calm down. All right. Y'all just calm down. I know you love this stuff. Uh, just calm down. All right. It'll get on there. No, all right. All, all seriousness. <laughs> be nice. All seriousness. Um, our three listeners are all going to be incensed now. They're going to have a meeting. <laughs> right. <laughs> By Zoom. All right. But just let us know. And and that if, if that ever happens, it's not JB's fault. It's our fault. Yes, it is. So, okay, let's get to some examples, Tane, because I think that this can be a little fuzzy until you get down to the weeds of some, some examples. Yeah, but, you know, in all candor, some of the things uh, that are allowed and those that are not allowed to go out can occasionally, as I said, be hard to distinguish and be close calls. Just just do your best, y'all. I mean, you know, listen to the good arguments and go with the one that sounds best. That's what I always do. So in both criminal and civil cases. Anything that amounts to recorded testimony, and I'm putting that in air quotes, of a person does not go out with the jury. So that would include an affidavit, Mm -hmm. a deposition, answers to interrogatories, written or recorded confessions or any sort of statements that might have been made in a criminal case. And we hope that these statements have been recorded, whether merely written or audio or audio and, and video. It could be any of those. But those do not go out with the jury. And hopefully that's fairly obvious. That's sort of recorded testimony of an actual person. That's right. And you can see how those recorded statements continue to testify in the jury room. That's that's pretty obvious as well. But once again, we can't emphasize this enough. That doesn't mean that these exhibits aren't admitted at the trial. Of course they are. They're evidence. They would go in 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 just about every case. They just don't go back to the jury room. They can be read to the jury. The jury can consider them during the trial. They just don't go back into the jury room. When you were trying cases, you would use depositions and trials, correct? All the time. Yeah. But but how, just so that everybody's clear, mm-hmm. somebody, some poor soul yes. would take the stand yes. and you would read the transcript, the question, and then the poor soul would be the doctor or somebody who's not there live and they would read the answers from the doctor and then you would read the next question from the deposition. Yeah, it was was usually a a very reluctant paralegal. 
uh, would be the one uh, reading. Although I did, I did get some uh, law students to do it one time in a trial. That was not good. They, they thought they were on community theater, you yeah. know, and they were kind of trying to, I was like, no, 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 no. Just, just, just read, read the cold words on the page. Okay. So let's co- now let's talk about some things that do not go out. Okay. Yeah. Narrative portions of a police report, Tane, and any search warrants or search warrant affidavits, those don't go out with the jury. Yeah, and that makes sense. Those are narratives and testimony of, you know, an officer or somebody about what they saw and heard. So obviously that wouldn't go out. Reports of experts don't go out with the jury. Again, that makes perfect sense. That's a report of exactly, hopefully, what they testified to on the witness stand. Not always, not always, but uh, hopefully what they testified to on the witness stand. Now for our evidence nerds, our people team. You know who you are out there. Let's assume you used a document to refresh a witness's recollection under 24-8-8035 or 24-6-6-12. Every time a statue decided, an angel gets his wings. The witness claimed a lack of memory during the trial, and you showed them something to refresh their recollection, his or her recollection. Under 8035, that document can be admitted. Under 612, it can be admitted by the opposing party. But under the continuing witness rule, none of those documents go out with the jury to the jury room, regardless of whether it was a prior consistent statement, a prior inconsistent statement, or was merely a past recollection recorded. Again, they may be able to be admitted. They just don't go out with the jury. And I know that sounds like we're overemphasizing that, but I swear to you that gets argued. Well, and I mean, we have some listeners that aren't that smart, Wade. We know that. Well, my mom's listening and she's not a lawyer, so she doesn't know. She's really smart. She's very smart. That's right. Yeah, but she's, but she, hey, mom. Hey, mom. What's up, mom? All right. So those documents, as we said, can be discussed during the trial and under some circumstances can be admitted, but they just don't go out with the jury. So we've discussed some things that do not go out with the jury and we've reiterated that it's pretty clear what would not not go out because they continue to testify in the jury room. And we told you some earlier, there's some head scratchers and some really close calls. And we've really not given you any close calls thus far. So they've all been, uh, hopefully, fairly obvious. So now let's pivot, Tame, to the documents that are allowed to go out with the jury and that I would submit to you may, on first blush, seem a little testimonial. Yeah. So the first of those is a death certificate, which is redacted to exclude the manner of death can go out with the jury. Uh, Photo lineup team can go out with the jury, but the degree of certainty, you know how sometimes they ask the person, if you, if you recognize somebody was there and then how sure are you? I'm a hundred percent or very certain or whatever that has to be redacted. But the lineup itself can go out because the lineup's not testifying to anything. It just allows you to evaluate how, how reasonable that identification was by the witness, by how close the, people in the in the pictures that they look the same look different or whatever yeah every, every time we talk about photo lineups i think of the movie the usual suspects so <laughs> anyway um as you can see the redactions that are required are eliminating the testimonial part of those uh, documents and that's that's one of the reasons that they probably could go out with the jury because they they don't they know the, with the redactions they no longer contain testimonial uh, items so photographs go out with the jury tain they're they're just pictures they they're just representations of the way the thing looks Right. Unless it's a picture of the expert's report. <laughs> that would be really clever. Don't you? That's just a picture. So so I'll tell you now, this is real. I, and this is something that's kind of running around right now. A violation of a TPO, you know, so aggravated yeah. stalking. Sorry, I just yeah. didn't come up with aggravated stalking there for a minute. Yeah. 
the defendant took a picture of what he was served with and sent a text to her in violation of the order. Mm-hmm. And there was some argument as to whether that should have gone out. And I think we're going to talk about that in a minute. That 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 picture was a part of the text. The text itself was the crime. Yeah. And so should that have been redacted? And, and we'll get to that in a yeah. minute. But but just understand that in modern technology and the way people communicate, pictures we say we say photographs go out, but we're thinking about photographs of the scene, photographs of the, right. the bloody knife, whatever. Not necessarily photographs of documents. Yeah. Now, I mean, these days I can send you anything in picture form. I mean, I, I can attach it to a text or an email or whatever and send it to you in, in two seconds. Folks, we'll be right back after this pause for station identification. Folks, this is Wade and Tane. You're listening to the Good Judgment podcast on the World Wide Web or wherever else you listen to these things. As always, you can find outlines for these podcast episodes as well as any supplemental materials on our website, which is goodjudgepod.com. We'd love to have your feedback about the podcast, and we get that at our email, goodjudgepod at gmail.com. We're always looking for suggested podcast topics. Please feel free to submit your suggestions to us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Operators are standing by. And remember, if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to like us and follow us on your favorite podcast platform and tell your friends it's how we get to grow our listenership. Thanks. And now back to our studio audience. So the jury can receive a copy of the implied consent card in a DUI that the officer used to in- instruct the defendant of his or her rights to refuse the testing, et cetera. The printout of the intoxilizer report from a DUI that can go out. Are we up to Toxalizer 5,000 now? <laughs> what are we up 9, to? 9,000. Yeah, it's a 9,000. Okay. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Remember, remember, machi- machines cannot testify. And right. So anytime that you're getting into any argument about the exhibit testifying or making a statement, they, they can't testify. And, and officers certifications to conduct field sobriety testing can go out with the jury. Again, that's a, a certification. So, so Tane, a police artist sketch I love those. of the alleged offender can, <laughs> as described by the victim, can go out with a jury. I can see how it could be argued that that is a quote unquote recording of the testimony of the victim. I mean, you know how those are created. The victim basically describes something to the artist. The artist you tries bushy to eyebrows. Yeah, they, no bushier, no, no, really, but unibrow. <laughs> and some, sorry to our unibrow listeners out there, but the uh, the cases say that sketches do not offend the continuing witness rule. Which you know, again, these are these are close calls. That's what we talked about. You know, as an aside. What happened to the sketch artist? I mean, that was like a job that went the way of the typewriter repairman or whatever. I, I always thought those were kind of cool, you know, especially TV cop shows. They draw a portrait of the defendant with a stocking hat and sunglasses. And I don't know, just another skilled artisan out of work, you know. Did you ever see the artist sketches of the Unabomber? Yeah, <laughs> they were uh, they were strikingly similar. I wouldn't call it a portrait exactly, but you could see some resemblance. I actually put one in the uh, episode notes if you find this interesting. Yeah, they were they were pretty accurate, actually. Um, and uh, I don't know. I always think about on The Office where uh, Jim put up the 
photographs all over the place of the guy who was attacking people in the parking lot. Yeah. He had just had Pam draw a picture of Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So back to the continuing witness Sorry. rule. So uh, medical records, they go, they can go out on the continuous witness, witness rule. Now, Tane, I've looked at a hundred zillion medical records just like you have. Yeah. They're filled with testimony. Oh yeah. They're, they are chock full. The good thing is you can't read it though. Usually. Yeah. yeah. It's although nowadays it's all typed in, so it's a lot better. But back in the days when I first knew you had to be a, like a real cryptographer to be able yeah. to, you know, read exactly. the, the rantings but the, of the nurses. The doctors, the nurses, sometimes the patient, the, the, all their testimony, and I'm using air quotes, is, right. is there, but they go out. And, and I learned to read those medical records. And then one day I like picked mine up when I was at the doctor's office. And one of the things it said was one of their uh, terms of art, which was that I was a well-nourished male, which was their way of saying I was fat. Hmm. Kind of hurt my feelings. Crime lab report can go out unless it's merely conclusions. Now, these are one of the tougher things to yeah, reconcile. Yeah. Because they, the scientists, the conclusions of the scientists do not have to be redacted. It's just that if the only thing in the report is the conclusion, well, Honestly, Tane, if we're being candid, the testimony of the scientists is the only thing that makes that thing relevant. Right. But, but, but it's really clear they do go out. Yeah. Certified copies of prior convictions of the defendant introduced for impeachment can go out with the jury, but they must be redacted to exclude the sentence imposed. Okay. <laughs> so where the exhibit, the letter, let's call, let's talk about a letter. Okay. Remember those? Back, yeah. Back way, in the day. Way back in the day, yeah. If for, letter, for you kids, those are kind of like email, but they're actual physical things that, that you wrote with some sort of writing implement. quill. Yeah, with a quill. And, and never mind. This is way too complicated. Just so, think of an email. So whether the letter, the communication is the crime, we'll talk about a letter, but it could be an email. It could be a text message. If that is the crime, it is not error for that to go out to the jury. So, for example, yeah. in the case that I'm specifically thinking of, the defendant was charged with intimidating witnesses. The defendant wrote a letter to the witness that threatened the witness with harm, physical harm, if he testified at the upcoming trial. By the way, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, Let's put that in writing, yeah. sign it, put a stamp on it, lick it, you put our DNA all over it, stick it in an envelope, send it to him. And then you go, oh, I don't know how he got Fingerprint, fingerprints all over it. Isn't that when they used to cut out the letters out of magazines? Right. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, gosh, I, I miss the old days, man. I do too. Yeah. Where, the where the exhibit is the crime itself. Basically, it proves the crime. Yeah. The letter can go out to the jury. Or it could be email or whatever. Yeah. It could However, be a terroristic threat. All the, I mean, all of those things, you can see that being yeah. the evidence. However, in other situations where the parties wrote to one another, letters, text, emails, messages, any of that, the communication can be admitted if it's somehow relevant to the case, but it doesn't necessarily go out to the jury. It's only when the letter or communication is the crime. All right. So now <laughs> the next examples that we have of an exhibit that can go out with the jury may need some explanation as to why. And I'm going to have to make a confession during this part, Tane, but, but we'll get there in a moment. Oh, okay. Can't wait for Teaser. your personal confession. So first of all, a surveillance video without narration can go out with the jury. There, we said it. And we know it seems to contradict all that we've said about undue emphasis on one piece of evidence over all the others. But think about it. You can send it out with them. They can't play it back well, there. <laughs> uh, well, hang on, hang on. Hold your horses. All right. Well, there's another aspect of the continuing witness rule. We've talked about the overemphasis, but there's another aspect that we've kind of saved now for the big reveal. Do we have a drum roll sounder? 
in a recent decision, the Georgia Supreme Court held that a surveillance tape of the crime, the actual surveillance tape of what was going on, can go out with the jury to be reviewed in the jury room because the video recordings I'm going to quote from the case were not the reduction to writing of an oral statement nor a written statement provided in lieu of testimony. And they further said the surveillance videos were, quote, original documentary evidence, end quote, that, quote, did not derive their evidentiary value solely from the credibility of their makers. Reading law during a podcast is not awesome. Yeah, and I've always thought that that made sense because think about it. I mean, a videotape's the same thing as a photograph. I mean, it really is in terms of what it conveys and how it conveys it. One's just still and one's motion. So it, it does make sense that you would say that videos could go out if they don't have narration, if they don't have someone uh, who's giving their opinion or whatever in the background. So here's my confession. You ready? Yes. So having discussed the law and the rationale behind the continuing witness rule so far for this whole episode, Tane, um, we've got to have some practical considerations. Mm -hmm. And here comes my confession. You ready? Yes. I don't allow surveillance videos to go out with the jury. Yeah. And I think you're going to know why as soon as you think about it. Forget, forget the undue influence part. Okay. Cause that, I think it, I think that's a, an issue too. Cause I, I really do think you'll be like the football game where they're trying to figure out if they made the catch or not. Right. But we've all heard about sensational things that were caught on video. Mm -hmm. Do you listen to all the witness testimony and what they thought happened? Or do you watch the video back and forth and frame by frame? You watch the video. Sure, You're not going to listen to all that yada yada. You want to see the video so you can right. you can be the detective and you can decide for yourself. You're going to place right. undue emphasis on that video. But outside of that, this is probably the more important reason I don't do it. Right. I don't allow you to take a phone to the jury room. How are you going to play that surveillance video? You have to have a computer. You have to have some sort of computer access. Even if it's a videotape, you have to have TV to play the video. I mean, I guess you could. You, you could, can block them. Yeah, I mean, you like, could do all that. In fact, the way we have done things, or during COVID, we discussed this. We ended up not doing it, but you can actually send an iPad out to the jury that doesn't have access to the Wi-Fi, but that allows them to watch electronic media that's downloaded on it. There's a way to do that, but yeah, it's a, it's cumbersome and it's it's not easy. And not everybody has the money Cobb has. Yeah, well, and I mean iPad, and I, you know, most most counties could scratch one of those up somewhere. But anyway, um, so you you know from prior episodes, I don't allow seriously, I don't allow right cell phones out with a jury because I think it it leads to to mayhem. I, I think it would be just preposterous to take an, a laptop or a, or even an iPad. Yeah, sure. you can. There is a workaround, but I don't do it. Yeah. Now, there's another reality we need to share with you. Well, let me I was going to share with yeah, you okay. one one quick uh, trial thing. I, I I had a one time a case that was basically all video <laughs> because here's the thing. If you're going to murder somebody and I don't suggest that you do, um, this is not an advice for murderers thing. But but if you do probably not a good idea to commit the murder in the parking lot of an office park where every building has like six cameras on it focused right on the parking lot. So we had eight angles of the murder, you know, close up far away, saw the whole parking lot, saw right on where the car was, all of that stuff, probably not the best. So the jury 
as you might imagine, once they got in the jury room, said, hey, can we watch all of those videos over again? So, you well, know, it's funny you mentioned three that. hours later, <laughs> we completely we, unwittingly you're segued us to the next point in the outline. I, what do you mean unwittingly? You think I don't read these outlines out of time? No, <laughs> you're absolutely you're absolutely right. You know, I did not. There's another reality we're going to share with you now. If the jurors ask to see that video, I'm absolutely going to let them see it. Sure. In the courtroom, mm -hmm. in front of the lawyers, in front of the defendant. Mm -hmm. I've let them step out of the jury box before to get close to the monitor. Right. If they were trying, I, I have absolutely done me that. Me too. But we're going to do it in the courtroom. Exactly. So and and I, if they wanted me to, can you play that last 15 seconds back, you know, three times? I mean, I've had them ask specifically, can we watch it three times? Mm -hmm. Yes, you can. <laughs> so it's not the viewing that that offends me so much as it is the the taking in the jury room having another device to play it. Mm -hmm. So one more practice point, Tane, on the topic of the continuing witness rule. This is probably directed more to our judges, but our lawyers could hear could could hear this as well. I charge the jury. I allow them to go to the jury room, and then outside the presence of the jury, but in the presence of the defendant, I ask the lawyers whether they have any objection to the jury charge as given. Once I complete that, I get no's or yeses or whatever. That then address the continuing witness rule. Again, jury is out, parties are present. This procedure is applicable to in my world in both criminal and civil cases. I actually ask the parties on the record if there are any exhibits that are not going out with the jury under continuing witness rule. I have them identify that exhibit by number. If the if it makes sense to only identify the ones that aren't going out, I'm not trying to recite. 40, different exhibits that got admitted. Right. But if there's three that aren't going out, we'll put the exhibit numbers that did not go out with the jury, three, 17 and 20. It, you know, Wade, you and I do this time and time again. It's really funny. We don't talk about these things ahead of time. That's exactly what I do as well. And I, I think most judges do, but as soon as the jury goes out to the jury room, I've instructed them essentially, you can go elect your four person, but don't begin your deliberations until the bailiff brings you, you know, the, the, the items that they're supposed to bring you. And so um, we do the same thing. We put those, we put those exhibit numbers that are not going out to the jury uh, on the record and have the lawyers discuss that and that sort of thing. Now there's one additional positive byproduct of this procedure. And I make sure that my court reporter has possession of all of the exhibits that were introduced, right? You know how lawyers are. Sometimes they use the exhibit in closing and forget to return them and put them in their notebook or stick them under their computer and walk away with them. And so, yeah, we don't uh, we don't complete that procedure until the court reporter and the clerk and the two lawyers have conferred, or however many lawyers you have have conferred, and we're all on the same page that all the exhibits are there, first yeah, of all. Exactly. Uh, and then secondly, the ones that are supposed to be admitted go out with the jury. So that's all for today's discussion on the continuing witness rule. It seems so simple, Wade, but it's so it's, complicated. It is. Yeah. So remember, folks, this rule has no bearing on the admissibility of any exhibit. It's only a rule that dictates which of the admitted exhibits are allowed to be delivered to the jury for their use in the jury room. And can I take just one second to do an aside? Sure. A shocking. Yeah, I know. Right. Folks, <laughs> demonstrative exhibits. You can't just put anything in the world up and call it a demonstrative and go, hey, judge, no harm, no foul. Just a demonstrative there. OK, you mean like if you introduce a topic that no one in the trial has discussed? Yes, I see it happen time and again where lawyers are in closing, <laughs> just saying, hey, 
I'm putting up this demonstrative that has all of this scientific or, you know, other evidence on it. But don't worry, judge. It's just a demonstrative. I'm not going to ask for it to go out with the jury. Okay, I don't care. If it hasn't been admitted, they don't get to look at it. As Beyonce taught us, Wade. If you like it, if you like it, then you should have put a sticker on it. There you go. Okay. All right, folks, just just my aside. Thank you. The episode notes include the charts of the exhibits that can and cannot go out with a jury, and they're both in criminal and civil cases. I have whole separate charts, and those can be found at goodjudgepod.com. Yeah, don't send them to somebody else's website, Wade. Uh, Please, folks, send us your thoughts and ideas, anything you'd like to hear in a future uh, podcast to goodjudgepod at gmail.com. So the time has come for music trivia. And this I have is my a, face part, favorite part. Of I, think, the, I think it's becoming a little popular. I like it. I have a quick story to tell before Tane launches into what has become wildly popular <laughs> portion of these episodes. Wildly popular. I have received a text message. Yeah? From the man that you and I have always sort of recognized as our primary listener. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Listener I, number one. A man who who is an FOP. Yeah. And who has made a guest appearance on the podcast may do so again. And may do so again. That's right. He knows who he is. Yes. We know who he is. Yes, we do. I need to read to you verbatim the text message that I received from him recently. Oh, I can't can't wait to hear this. Yeah. When are we going to get some Taylor Swift music trivia? (laughs) I'm sick of this 70s rock stuff. T-Swizzle. I'm sick of the 70s rock stuff. That's what he said. You know, I used to like him. Two responses. Yeah. One, you could have knocked me over with a feather <laughs> to learn that this particular man is a Swifty. Right. He told me he has attended last three Taylor Swift concerts in Atlanta and sent me photographic proof of her on stage. Wow. With like, like a selfie with her in the background. Wow. Second, yeah. we are nothing if not responsive to our, to our <gasps> listeners. So today- Taylor Swift trivia? Today's topic with that preamble- Here's to here's Tame with today's Taylor Smith Taylor Swift's music trivia. Okay. So I feel like that in order to get into the spirit of things, I need to put on my sequined outfit like all of the middle-aged people that I see who go to Taylor Swift with their sons and well with their daughters um, do. So anyway, just imagine me in a sparkly gold sequin top, Wade. Okay. And uh, all right, here we go. I'm truly astonished. I can't believe he's a Swifty. That's amazing. Uh, Anyway, we've done a small dose of Taylor Swift trivia in a couple of episodes ago. We did. We touched on it one time, Uh, but we're going to try to go deep here. So uh, something about her current love life. (laughs) All right. So here we go. You probably know that Taylor Swift began her career as country music star. In fact, Wade, I saw her open for Keith Urban when she was 19 years old. So, uh, we have covered that fact that her, the fact that her first name is her first name, Taylor was an homage to the great James Taylor. Do you know her middle name? It is Allison. I did not know that, uh, named for her aunt. Taylor is legendary for writing songs about boyfriends or former boyfriends. Yeah, that was a scathing song she wrote about me, too. I did not appreciate that at all. Um, But uh, in her incredibly popular song, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. Wow. You you hit on the very one that she that she wrote about me. Um, Who was the man she was referencing in that song, folks? Anybody? No, I haven't looked ahead here, Wade. Um, 
She's dated a lot of people. She has really run through a whole bunch of Hollywood. Um, and NFL now. That's right. Shout out. We are, we are never. Go, Kelsey. Yes, go, Kelsey. Uh, we are never, ever getting back together. That was about, um, oh, man, I know. I've got, it's like right on the tip of my tongue. I know the guy. I can't think of it. All right. Uh, it is Jake Gyllenhaal. I was wrong. That was not it. Wow. That that month of her life. Um, I told you the song was incredibly popular. Did you know that it earned a Guinness Book World Record? No, I did not know that. That song reached number one on the iTunes singles chart just 50 minutes after it was released. Wow. That's amazing. 50 minutes. And in what became a rather famous or infamous moment of live television, Taylor was receiving an award at the Video Music Awards when she was interrupted by a famous rapper. This one, I, of course, remember. Um, this incident spawned memes all over the Internet. The rapper who interrupted her was future husband of Kim Kardashian, Crazy Kanye West. That's right. Um, he was offended that Beyonce uh, did not receive the award. And so he went on a bit of a tirade about that. Uh, here's the question. What year did that occur? Um, if you're like me, time flies, and it seems like, I don't know, just a minute ago. But in fact, the year was, give up, 2009. Wow, that was 14 years ago. In October 2006, Taylor made her first broadcast performance of a song on network television. Two questions. Number one, what TV show did she perform on? And number two, what song did she perform? Wow. Remember now, it's 2006. 2006. I'm going to say it was. There's a hint. Oh, there's a hint. Sorry. Uh, remember, it was 2006. Here's a hint. It was the lead single off her debut album. 19. Give up. The TV show was Good Morning America, and the song was Tim McGraw. Wow, yeah. I'd forgotten about that song. She wrote that song as a freshman in high school, and even that song was about a boyfriend, her high school boyfriend, who was not Tim McGraw. Uh, finally, although she probably dated him, I don't know. Finally, Taylor Swift trivia question, final, final trivia question for the day. Taylor moved to Nashville, Tennessee when she was 14 years old to facilitate her career. Where was she born and raised prior to age 14? Wow. Um... I would not have guessed it, but she was born and raised in Redding, Pennsylvania. Wow, that's crazy. On a uh, Christmas tree farm, no less. Well, that seems appropriate. Who knew? Wow. So I bet our primary listener knew all those trivia question answers and uh, still cannot believe he's a Swifty. That's really incredible. But hey, hats off to him. Remember, folks, haters going to hate. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. We try our best to give you actionable information, but in a format that does not make you want to hurt yourself. Two thoughts. Some topics allow us the latitude to be a little bit more fun. Number two, if we've failed you, we will try to do our best to do better in the next episode. We know that you have lots of choices and we're honored that you chose us this time. We're kind of amazed to be totally honest. This podcast began as a project that was initially the brainchild of Doug Ashworth, the former director, the executive director of ICJE. Thanks and appreciation to Mr. Henneberger and the entire University of Georgia College of Law, my new part-time employer. Thanks to Mr. Stephen Turner and his company, Turner Up Media, who helped edit out some of our stupidity and awkwardness. But hey, 
nobody can get it all. Thanks to our unsung hero, Kevin Holder. You are instrumental in our podcast being published and made available to the public. We should have been singing your praises all along, but we didn't, so... Tane and I are eternally grateful to the Council of Superior Court Judges who allow us to lead new judge orientation for the Superior Court Judges all across Georgia. Wade and I are also grateful to the State Justice Institute who allow us to do this through their generosity. You know that these are our opinions and do not reflect the opinions of ICJE, SJI, CSCJ, the University of Georgia College of Law, or anyone else for that matter. Contact us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com for any praise. Contact someone else with your complaints. But seriously, we would love your feedback, both good and bad. Send any comments to goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Please visit our website, goodjudgepod.com, for all our episode outlines and more details about our podcasts. Some of you send emails asking for copies of the outlines. Seriously, people, they're available 24-7, 365 at the website, goodjudgepod.com. And we say that like 20 times during every broadcast. But seriously, you can upload or download or otherwise use them as you wish and on your schedule and at your convenience. Once again, I'm Wade Padgett. And as always, I'm Tane Kell. Thanks for listening.